Oh man, here we go. It is another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Visugi and your host of the podcast. And hey, look, we all know what this topic is going to be mostly about. It's going to be about Marcus Peters. And the trade details were revealed earlier this week and not, not too many people are happy. Everyone is showing their dissatisfaction with the trade details. And not only that, Kansas City did send something else in this trade as if the Rams weren't getting much uh, they got something else from the Chiefs so and the Chiefs did not get a lot in return and it's worth discussing could the Chiefs have gotten anything else in this trade and that is a big topic that's being discussed this week regarding Marcus Peters so we'll talk about that also Ron Parker expected to be released by Kansas City how does that help Kansas City's cap situation Plus, what would Kansas City's backfield look like without Marcus Peters and Ron Parker? Uh, that is definitely something that is worth looking into for Kansas City. And the Chiefs, well, Kansas City rather, a finalist for the 2019 and 2020 NFL Draft. Kansas City could be the host city for the big event for the NFL in late April and early May. And one of the upcoming years. So we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. And of course, as always, we will wrap up the show going around the NFL out of bounds. And I'll throw my penalty flags. You guys can interact with me on social media. And let me just say this about social media. Uh, I don't know why, but ever since this Marcus Peters uh, trade was announced, there has been a ton of interaction on social media. This is the most I've ever had. Uh, and I and I love the back and forth. Definitely enjoyed doing that with all of you guys. And uh, hopefully we can do more of this later on. Uh, I, I wrote a tweet about Marcus Peters that got a lot of attention too. And was retweeted by a couple of celebrities and um, and even some NFL players uh, that liked what I had to say. I'll talk about that a little bit and uh, just really my standpoint on all of that. But the social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow and like me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Share them on social media. Let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast. And make sure you guys check out my other podcast, my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone podcast. Uh, I did an interview with an MMA fighter for Shamrock FC, going to be making his pro debut, and also previewed UFC 222 on that podcast as well. That is out right now on iTunes. All right, let's get right into it because this Marcus Peters situation. There, I mean, there's a lot to get into with everyone. Everyone has a lot to say about this, and there are so many angles from this. Let me just first. Put out the details of the draft because last time we talked about this on uh, late Friday night when the podcast was released, uh, unexpected bonus edition of the Chiefs on podcast. We did not know what the details were. All we knew is that it did not include a first round pick. Well, now we know that the Chiefs will be getting a 2018 fourth round pick and a 2019 second round pick. Now, what the Chiefs gave up in addition to Marcus Peters, a 2018 Sixth round pick. Now look, I'm not going to be all up in arms about a sixth round pick. However, to me, why why were the Rams demanding an, a, some sort of 
so something in addition to Marcus Peters, you're getting a guy who's had 21 interceptions, 19 in the regular season, and three years, two in the playoffs, and you want something else in addition to getting the best takeaway cornerback in the NFL? I, I, I That I have a hard time comprehending. I'm not quite sure why the Chiefs gave into that. I don't know if the Rams... Originally, we're asking for maybe a higher draft pick, and the Chiefs were able to lower that asking price. I'm not exactly sure, but I, I do sit here confused over the fact that they gave up arguably the best cornerback in the NFL in the past three years in addition to a draft pick. Uh, look, if they're going to give up a draft pick, I'm fine with it being a third-day pick. If it's um, if, if it's late third-day, uh, such as a sixth-round pick, I, you know, uh, I, I know over the years we have seen some some players come way, uh, late in the draft, uh, second day or the third day. Uh, but look, I'm, I'm not going to be so up in arms about it. But when 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 the when at the end of the day you you get a fourth round pick this year and a second round pick next year, I don't know if I'm too thrilled about this this deal. I'm really not. Now, here is another angle from this. As I mentioned last podcast, Friday night, Matt Miller, uh, who's also a friend of the podcast, he tweeted that Peters had no interest in staying in Kansas City, so this could be a an opportunity for the Chiefs to get value out of him now, rather than just have him walk for free in the future. This is a question I asked last podcast, and I'll ask it again. Did the Kansas City Chiefs do anything to try to work things out with Peters and trying to make him happy and seeing what what can they do to keep him keep him happy and want him to stay here long term or was it just absolutely impossible i'd like to think with the job that Brett Veach has done up to this point and maybe Clark Hunt had a hand in this too that they tried their best and trying to see trying to make all of that happen now the second thing about this is i would rather let Peters walk after his contract is up rather than get those two picks. Now listen, I think we can fully judge this trade more a few years down the road in 2020, 2021, when we see how these draft picks pan out. But for right now, I I don't know how excited I am. Look, you can give me the first round pick for every, every season the next 10 years. At the end of the day, you don't know if you'll... Go 10 for 10, 0 for 10, 5 for 10 with those first round picks. If the Rams, again, very unrealistic, but hypothetically speaking, if, even if you were to offer that, I'll still take a guy who is a proven guy and somebody who has already shown himself over extra draft picks. Now, could you find the next Marcus Peters in the next 10 years? Perhaps, yes, but those guys are so hard to come by. And the fact that he dropped so late in the first round because of his trouble issues at Washington, at the University of Washington. It's just so rare to have that happen again. And then look, Marcus Peters, statistically speaking, is the best cornerback, better than Patrick Peterson, Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris, Richard Sherman. So many great cornerbacks in the league right now. And Marcus Peters has been better than those guys. His coverage certainly needs some improvement. But at the end of the day, if he's coming away with so many picks, then this is somebody who is worth keeping, I think, and just letting him have his contract play out. Now, here's the other aspect of it. Again, 
Is it possible that he was not worth it at all because of the trouble that he had constantly caused on the field, behind closed doors, in team meetings? Perhaps. I, you know, listen, I cannot, I cannot uh, pretend like that's not a possibility. We're not, we, we don't know everything that goes on. I, I think as, as fans and, and people in the media, in general, we like to think we know everything that goes on. We really don't. And let me just say this right now. There are a lot of scouts out there that know a lot of things about some of these upcoming rookies that we, we actually do not know. We think we know everything about some of these uh, guys, like, like a Baker Mayfield, for example. I guarantee you. Baker Mayfield has done something out there that nobody else knows about, but the scouts out there do know. Let me give you guys a, a really funny example because when I was covering uh, the Jayhawks, when I was a student at KU writing for the student newspaper, the University Daily Kansan, K, the, uh, K, the KU football team released a they, – they gave out a press release and it talked about Ben Heaney and how – the Jayhawks are addressing uh, what he got in trouble for. And here's the funny part. Nobody had any idea what in the hell KU was talking about, what Charlie Weiss, the head coach at the time, and also a former Chiefs offensive coordinator, nobody had any idea what was being talked about with Ben Heaney. And lo and behold, the Lawrence Journal World, their news department, actually had written about it and the crazy part about it, the sports reporters for the LJ world, they didn't even know about it. So a lot of times there are incidents that occur that people in the media don't even know about it. But there are scouts out there who know what these guys are doing Friday and Saturday nights. Let me give you another great example. Michael Sam, before the story came out, uh, Michael Sam, the former uh, defensive end for the Missouri Tigers, before it was announced that he came out as a gay man, scouts knew about this already. Lots of scouts knew about that already. So my point here is, with Marcus Peters, there could be more things that could have occurred behind closed doors that we just don't know about, and maybe the Chiefs felt like this was the right move to make. Now, here's what's confusing to me, and I alluded to this last podcast as well. A lot of people are coming out saying, well... He was doing all of these things. He was protesting. He was throwing the flags. He was being immature. His play uh, went down in 2017. So this is a great trade. Or at the time, people were saying it was a great trade. But after he got better a little, little bit, he yeah, he was able to silence a lot of his haters. And at that point, it just kind of made me wonder what happened all of a sudden that fans are some fans are thrilled about this trade. Now, a lot of talk about the whole protesting situation and, and a lot has been made about Clark Hunt and how he was unhappy about what Marcus Peters was doing with the protesting. At first, he was sitting and then for a few People don't realize this. He actually stopped being on the field. He actually stayed in the locker room. Uh, technically, yeah, I guess he's still protesting in a way, but not necessarily kneeling or sitting during the anthem. Uh, he just stayed uh, in the tunnel and then he came out after... Uh, the final words of the anthem. So, Clark Hunt was not very happy about that. Him uh, protesting and not participating in the anthem. Here is something that a lot of people are talking about. And Nick Wright, formerly of Six and Sports in Kansas City, and now with Fox Sports, sitting next to some of the biggest names out there, he made a very great point. 
He asked, why is it that Travis Kelsey, a guy who has shown a lot of immaturity over the years with the Chiefs, with more unsportsmanlike penalties than Marcus Peters, never got the same amount of criticism as Peters? People weren't throwing the idea of trading Kelsey when he was doing all of his antics, but fans were super quick to support the notion of trading Marcus Peters late last year. Now, obviously, you could not trade him late last year because the deadline's passed. Bottom line, fans wanted to move on from him. They were quick on that, but that was never the case with Travis Kelsey. Now, a lot of people have been asking this, and I've heard this debate in and outside of Kansas City. Is it a race thing? I'll just say right now, are there people out there from just a race standpoint that are happy to see Marcus Peters go? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you'd be kidding yourself if you if you think that uh, this is not part of the picture. But I'm not here to discuss that at all. I'm just sitting here telling you guys that's certainly part of it. Uh, but I think I, I, I'd like to think at the end of the day it goes beyond that. Listen, if you think that come September of 2018... The Kansas City Chiefs have 53 angels, 53 saints, 53 sweethearts in that locker room. You are completely out of your mind. Listen, you can never have 53 great character guys in a locker room. I think fans are so up in arms about this, thinking the Chiefs got better on a character level. Is that possible? Sure. But don't get me, don't, don't, don't put, don't, don't say that this is a character improvement for the team because I guarantee you come September when you want to talk about the 53 guys on this roster there are certainly a couple of guys that may be knuckleheads and may do some things that maybe bother a couple of the teammates or even the coaching staff out there and it just doesn't always get discussed it doesn't happen in front of the media when they're out there doing locker room interviews so be mindful of that if you want to say this is a character improvement for the Chiefs Trust me, if you think there are 53 good character guys in that locker room, you're sorely mistaken. I mean, there's, there are always a couple of guys who may not be the most liked among locker rooms across all 32 NFL teams. It's, they're not going to publicly talk about it or, or throw their teammates on the, under the bus. But it's, it's out there. It, it just is. Now, let me say one other thing, because... A lot of people are wanting to hear from Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, and Andy Reid on all of this. And I talked about this last week. I said, well, we certainly want to hear from them. But let me just say this, because I thought about this after I recorded the podcast, and I realized one thing. We're not going to get any inside scoop on this. We're not going to hear any details about what maybe triggered the Chiefs to make this trade happen. As you may remember, Travis Kelsey, first couple of games... Did some boneheaded things that got him in trouble with some unsportsmanlike conduct penalty flags. The media kept asking Andy Reid constantly, what are you going to do with Travis Kelsey? And Tra- uh, Andy Reid, excuse me, raised his voice at one point and said, we're, we're going to handle this behind closed doors. We're not going to discuss that pu- publicly. And the same thing with Marcus Peters. Now, yes, the suspension was handed out, so it was, uh, it was of course, out there, but... At the end of the day, how the Chiefs, and I'm sure the Chiefs disciplined Marcus Peters behind closed doors before that suspension, but they don't tell us that publicly. Andy Reid, and we want to hear Andy Reid criticize Travis Kelsey publicly. We want to hear Andy Reid criticize 
Marcus Peters publicly. We want to hear him do it to Bob Sutton publicly. Andy Reid is not the guy, whether you like him or not. I know a lot of Chiefs fans wanted him gone after that playoff loss, but whether you like Andy Reid or not, he's never the guy that will publicly throw his guys under the bus. His coaching staff, his colleagues, his co-workers, nor his players. That's why so many guys love to play for Andy Reid, whether it was at Philadelphia or here in Kansas City. Players love to play for Andy Reid, and the notion of wanting him to say negative things in front of the media and for everyone else to hear, it's not Andy Reid's style. I guarantee you Andy Reid's talking to these guys, whether it's Bob Sutton trying to improve the defense or whether it's these players trying to act more mature on the field or off the field even. Andy Reid's discussing these things. Not all of these things have to be up there publicly. I guess uh, an example out there would be, you know, think about your family matters. If you're a parent, if you talk to your kid, maybe they're misbehaving when other people aren't around in the house, but you know, on your social media, you don't make that public. When you're getting together with friends, you, you don't make your family issues public. You, there's no need for that. You don't go into details about it. So a lot of times I think people forget, yeah, sure, okay, this this is kind of like a family here. You've got 53 players on the coaching staff, and maybe, yeah, there are some things that go wrong behind the scenes, but they don't have to reveal it, similar to a family. And listen, if a family's out there publicly broadcasting all of their issues, well, that's not a good thing. And it looks bad on the family, same way for a football team. If if And I'm just throwing a hypothetical situation out there. If one player outs another player for cussing out all of his teammates in the locker room. It just looks bad on on all of the players and the entire team. And that's never a situation you ever want to have. So keep that in mind that this is a this is a team, especially when it's run by Andy Reid, and I'm sure Clark Hunt has a hand in this because we've seen this before Andy Reid. This Chiefs franchise likes to keep, they like to keep things on a closed book. They don't like to have it out there. Now keep this in mind with Marcus Peters. Could that suspension have humbled him? Well, let's look at the two games he played after the suspension. Didn't play in Week 17 against the Broncos, as we know. A lot of the starters were pulled in that game. But against the Chargers, right after that suspension, two interceptions, one forced fumble. The following week against the Miami Dolphins got a forced fumble. Two interceptions, two forced fumbles in two games. Surely that suspension had to have humbled him. And listen, if anything, and he also got an interception, uh, let's not forget, in that uh, playoff game against the Titans. So in the three games that he played, he had three interceptions. Two against the Chargers uh, and a forced fumble there. Had a forced fumble against the Dolphins and got an interception against the Titans. So there's absolutely no doubt in my mind, in three games, getting three picks and two forced fumbles, surely that humbled him. And at the end of the day, let me just say this. I really hope that Marcus Peters had lear- has learned from all of this. He was on NFL Network saying it's business. And uh, he'll miss his teammates, including Andy Reid. Said there were no issues with Andy Reid. Uh, so contrary to popular belief, what a lot of people are saying, he did say in his interview on NFL Network, no issues with Andy Reid that led to this trade. Uh, also defended Alex Smith, interesting enough. Uh, I know he had, it seemed like he had taken some shots uh, at Alex Smith in, in the past on, on Twitter, but uh, he was quick to defend him uh, during that interview. So very interesting to uh, to note there. 
Uh, I do want to talk about my tweet that went crazy viral on, on Twitter about how, listen, if, if, if people out there are happy Marcus Peters was traded because of immaturity issues, fine. People are allowed to have that, op- uh, that opinion, that feeling, whatever. But if you want to call him a bad guy, I, I think that's c- completely inaccurate. I mentioned on there, he fed 250 families on Thanksgiving. And he handed out 300 coats to local kids on Christmas week. And by the way, I got a tweet from somebody saying, oh, well, I fed 100 families and I, I also did a coat drive for Christmas and I'm not a millionaire like Marcus Peters. And I just thought that was the most asinine thing someone could have said. Why is it that with... Um, with uh, with charities or donations, people want to make it a contest, regardless of your opinion of of Donald Trump. And I, I I've been against him. I'm not a fan of his at all. But when uh, the uh, flooding in Houston happened, uh, Donald Trump announced that he was donating a million dollars. Now, could he have donated more? Sure, the guy has a lot of money. But he got criticized so much for that. And several other celebrities got criticized for what they were donating. And I thought. This is just madness. This is ridiculous. Why are we now making out a contest or talking about how much someone should donate? I thought that was just the, it's a horrible thing. Charities and donations are not about, they're not competitions. At the end of the day, we're trying to help people out there who definitely need the help. And to turn this into a competition, I feel like whether it's donating money for a flooding event or feeding families uh, during the holidays or handing out coats. I, I just think it's ridiculous to turn this into some sort of a competition deal because that's not what donations and, and charities are about. And there was so much, I got a couple of responses uh, in that tweet. I also said something about how he's never said no to an autograph and I got some angry fans saying, well, he, he said no to me one time at training camp. Okay. Maybe he said no here and there. But let me just say this. I was at, and I shared the story again. I'll, I'll share. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. At the NBA preseason game at the Sprint Center, Peters was sitting next to uh, some guy might, might have been a, a friend of the team, uh, as well as Derek Johnson and Charkandrick West. People were going up to him, getting pictures, autographs, and he was smiling the whole time. At one point, there were four kids, very young kids, probably five, six, seven, eight years old kids, who were approaching Peters. An usher got in the way, turned them all around. Peters, for a few seconds, had no idea what was going on because his, his his back was to the usher and he was watching the game. He turned around and realized what had just happened. He called all those kids back and immediately took pictures with all of them and asked the usher to let these kids through. So look, that does is it possible he says no to certain people? I guess, sure. But what I saw right there, and at the time he was being heavily criticized for some of his uh, interviews and and the, uh, the, the cussing out a fan on the Monday Night Football game and going at it with Bob Sutton. Uh, people want to call him a bad guy. Well, look, this is a guy who asked an usher to let kids through. I think nowadays we just live in such a uh, such a, an attention-grabbing society where celebrities love to have the attention on them, but they don't want to give back to all their fans. I'll never forget, it. last year when I was in Vegas, uh, I saw Shaquille O'Neal, one of my favorite basketball players of all time, walking through... And a lot of people approached him, wanted to wanted to just high-five him. They didn't want an autograph or a picture, just wanted to high-five him. And Shaquille O'Neal gives the cold shoulder to all these guys. And I'll never f- forget that. That really gave me a different opinion. Now, look, I, everyone knew Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe not the nicest guy out there, but... Uh, you know, I, 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 had his, I, I've, I had his jersey uh, with the Lakers. Both the, both the gold and the white one, believe it or not. Uh, that's how big of a fan I was of, of his. 
Um, and that really just gave me a different opinion about Shaquille O'Neal. And to see Marcus Peters do something like that, 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 that really made me like him as a person. You don't got to like the player, sure. But do not call... I, I think calling him a bad guy is the most unfair thing people could be saying about him. A couple of other things to note here. Uh, Kansas City expected to release Ron Parker. Torres Paler wrote that this would create approximately $4.9 million in cap space, and the Chiefs would be expected to have $19 million in cap space by the time he is released. Torres Paler added that releasing Tom Bahali would create about $6.6 million more in cap space. Of course, they released Eric Johnson. That created some cap space. Trading Alex Smith, letting Darrell Rivas go. That's definitely helped Kansas City create some cap space going into free agency in March. So what's Kansas City's secondary going to look like? Well, right now you've got David Amerson and Kendall Fuller, although Kendall Fuller not official yet. Uh, at safety, you've got Eric Berry and Dan Sorensen as your likely safeties. Uh, for right now, your backup cornerbacks, Terrence Mitchell, Steven Nelson, they didn't have a very good 2017 campaign, but they've done better in, in years past for the Chiefs. And maybe uh, Steven Nelson was a great, outstanding slot cornerback in 2016. And Terrence Mitchell, in late 2016, I thought he did some great things, but both these guys definitely took a step back in 2017. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs want to move forward with those guys. Safeties, not the greatest a uh, group of backups there, Leon McQuay, Eric Murray. So maybe the Chiefs will draft somebody in the uh, upcoming draft or get a backup, a, a veteran guy in free agency to join Kansas City's secondary to try to help the team out. Final subject that I want to touch on, uh, this will be very quick. Uh, this was reported last month by the Kansas City Star, and I didn't uh, get a chance to talk about this on the podcast or on the social media pages but Kansas City is a finalist for the 2019 and 2020 NFL Draft. They've got a great venue, and I've never been there, but I've seen a lot of pictures from people on social media who posted about this. But great venue in the Coffin Center of Performing Arts. Uh, I don't know other venues that would be a great option to have the NFL Draft, but listen, if you're not going to bring a Super Bowl to Kansas City, well, get the next biggest event, the next biggest football event. And to me, that is the NFL Draft. Oh, and I've heard in years past, you know, what's more entertaining, the NFL Draft or the Super Bowl? And I listen, I always think it's Super Bowl, but uh, I, and I can't remember who said this on ESPN, but somebody made a note saying that, sure, the Super Bowl is a big game, but the NFL Draft, all 32 teams are participating in this. Therefore, all 32 fan bases are paying attention to this. No, the ratings are not going to be as high, but you've got interest from people all over the nation, whereas for the Super Bowl, you only have two markets that have a very strong interest in the event, and everyone else, they're just watching because it's the last game, it's the biggest game of the year, the commercials, the halftime show, it's that big of a spectacle, Uh, whereas with the NFL Draft, all 32 fan bases have a strong interest in that event, so I think it'd be nice to see in Kansas City, Uh, I know Kansas City fans, they've always been very vocal about uh, cheering on or maybe not cheering on sometimes certain fans, certain guys that get uh, drafted by the team. Uh, so I think it'd be very cool to see at the uh, at the Kauffman uh, Center of Performing Arts. Certainly would be worth having here in Kansas City. By the way, I will say I do remember in uh, 2016, I believe, when the Chiefs did not have a first round pick. Well, they did have a first round pick. It was late, and the Chiefs had their the Chiefs have their uh, draft party like they do every year at the practice facility. 
and I, I'll never forget this. Uh, I was working for the Kansas City Star that night at their sports desk, and the report came out that the Chiefs traded away their pick. And immediately, my first reaction was, all those people who stayed for four or five hours, uh, I mean, the draft may not have been that long, but people arrived way before that. People who stayed that long, hoping for, hoping to celebrate the newest Chief late in that in that um, round, only to get the news that they traded their pick. Worst case scenario, in a situation where you have a draft party and you are hoping that fans are going to be going home smiling, uh, and prior to leaving, they give a big ovation to whoever got drafted by the team, and that was not the case. Um, so I, I, I do remember that. Hopefully that's not the case if a, if a draft is taking place in Kansas City. Because look, you've got, you're going to have a lot of Chiefs fans out there. Chiefs fans love to show up for these kinds of things. Uh, Chiefs fans are, all, are well known to be one of the most uh, and better traveled fans in the NFL. So they'll definitely pack up uh, the venue for an NFL draft. You'll see a lot of Chiefs fans. You're sure you'll see a lot of other fans out there. Uh, you know, Packers fans, Steelers fans, Dolphins fans, whoever. You'll see a lot of those fans out there too. But it is going to be filled with a lot of red. And hopefully that happens because I think that'd be very cool for Kansas City to have an NFL draft here. Uh, And it'd be a very special moment uh, once that draft selection is made by the Chiefs and hearing the reaction from Chiefs fans in the crowd live in person. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. I know this may not be the most exciting story, but... From a Chiefs perspective, it kind of is because John Dorsey's running things with the Cleveland Browns now. The Cleveland Browns will carry over a league-high $58.9 million in unused cap space to 2018. Now, I know the running joke is John Dorsey's going to go through it like it's nothing. I don't know. Hopefully, he's learned his lesson while he was in Kansas City. And listen, I'll tell you what. A lot of people may be surprised as to... You know, Alex Smith not going to Cleveland or Marcus Peters not going to Cleveland. I know there's conflicting reports as to whether or not Cleveland was interested in Peters. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of money. And listen, Cleveland has the ability to be a better football team. I know last year I was on the Browns bandwagon a little bit saying that they they can do better. They can certainly find ways to improve. And I was dead wrong about that. Couldn't even come away with a single win. Came close in a couple of games, but hey, look, uh, you don't get asterisks for games that you almost win. I mean, you win games and you lose games. That's it. So uh, this money they have, they've got to use it. Go out there. Get some talented players. And Look, maybe John Dorsey's going to look from, from some guys in Kansas City. Guys like Albert Wilson, maybe. A uh, couple other, Benny Logan, a couple other guys who he signed before uh, he was fired in Kansas City. Uh, maybe and hopefully Philip Gaines, I don't know. But he'll definitely be keeping an eye on some guys from the Chiefs uh, that he could be hoping to bring over and signing them to big contracts. Speaking of contracts and big signings, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they extend Blake Bortles through 2020. I know the Jaguars, they were talking about as a team that could possibly land Kirk Cousins. But listen, and I don't like this. I've talked about how we see uh, players who earn big contracts or extensions after succeeding in a short time period. Blake Bortles, 
he, I know he, he he's, he's not the most consistent guy, but he's done a lot of good things too. And I think this is somebody after helping the Jaguars get to the AFC title game and the one team that they could not finish better than was the Patriots. With with that on, on, under their belt, I think Blake Bortles certainly earned this. I know that may not be the most agreeable or popular opinion, uh, but when you find ways to bring your team to to a big stage like that, the AFC title game, you're bound to uh, earn some sort of a big check right there, and Bortles was able to do that, and for a couple of years, he's got an opportunity to prove himself, to prove that he can be consistent, and if he does, he'll earn yet another big contract from the Jaguars, or maybe another team. That remains to be seen. Speaking of quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a free agent, uh, not going to be, re- not expected to return. To Minnesota. Listen, Minnesota's kind of had a funny uh, past few years. Multiple draft picks, first round draft picks, have been spent on quarterbacks. They drafted Teddy Bridgewater and Christian Ponder, and they also traded a first round pick to get Sam Bradford. And now you look at the, the case right now, they've got Case Keenum. You know, what happens there? They've got a lot of guys to work with, but. Overall, uh, at the end of the day, Teddy Bridgewater, he certainly has proven to to be able to do something on the field for the Vikings, not consistent at all times. And, of course, the uh, injury bug, that that's a bit of a question mark there. But I think he can be an asset to a team. I really do. Maybe he joins a team that has absolutely no direction with a quarterback, and maybe he's got to just prove himself there. Or he joins a team as a, in a situation where he joins uh, as a backup takes that role, and if an opportunity does open up, whether it's by poor play or by injury, then he comes in and he's going to have that second opportunity, that second chance to really prove himself in the NFL. So definitely worth keeping an eye on and seeing where Teddy Bridgewater goes this offseason. Time to go out of bounds. College basketball, big investigation uh, something that was discovered by the FBI and revealed this week. Uh, teams involved uh, in which, you know, certain players, uh, family members receiving loans. Uh, that list includes KU, Duke, UNC, several other big-name schools, and a lot of other colleges out there. Here's here's my thing. People are saying that the FBI is focusing way too much on this when there are bigger and other issues they, they should focus on and get away from the, from the sports field. And listen, they, I think comments like that are... I think they're ignorant, to be honest with you, because you hear maybe the president makes a comment and people say, oh, well, he's focusing on that topic. Well, no, uh, a, a president can certainly address multiple issues and comment on other things. It's just maybe, especially nowadays, one thing that gets to, only one thing will get talked about from a press conference or from an interview. Uh, you know, the, I mean, look, the FBI, um, there are a lot of FBI agents out there. They, they can all be working different uh, tasks. And, you know, a couple FBI agents probably were involved in this and they had worked on this case. And it's not like this is the only thing they're doing. I'm sure there are other things that uh, there are other problems that are being addressed also. So I, I have a problem more so with those people who are talking about how the FBI is focusing too much on this. They're they're acting like they only will do one case at a time, and I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. What I will say, I don't have a a strong opinion on this, but let me just say this. I I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, and I know KU fans, of course, are very protective of this kind of 
uh, report, especially with Bill Self kind of denying it, saying they'll check their, their sources. But every college is doing something that they shouldn't be doing. I've talked about this before, especially on this podcast, with how the NCAA has these uh, this thick rule book, so many rules that they can't even keep up with it themselves. Um, look, there are a lot of schools that are doing a lot of things and they're getting away with it, whether it's uh, not being academically eligible or if they're doing some misconduct uh, you know, outside of the classroom or outside of the sport. And they just don't get caught about it. Uh, if there's cheating involved or, or money under the table, uh, I hate to say it, and people, this may be a shocker to some people. A lot of schools are doing things they shouldn't be doing, and not all of them get caught. Yeah, there are so many NCAA institutions. It is hard to keep up with all of them, and it may be a little easier. I don't, I don't like it. I don't encourage it, but. It's a little easier to get away with for some of these schools sometimes. But speaking of KU, I do want to get into this. I know I've been very critical of the Jayhawks, especially Bill Self, but they did win their 14th straight, which is great. I mean, that's very impressive to do. That has never happened before. 14 straight years winning regular season conference titles. Now, I'll also say this. It is a regular season trophy. I I, I just, as a KU fan, I I, I thought winning 10 straight was cool because of that milestone 10 straight. Plus, that was my last year, my senior year at KU. So, that that was kind of cool just to go along with that. I still have the 10 straight shirt just to kind of remind myself of my last year at KU. But, uh, to me, at the end of the day, uh, look at UConn. Uh, In the past 20 years, they have not won a conference title every single year, yet in the past 20 years, they've won more national titles than KU has in their in their long history, their rich tradition. But KU has fewer. Uh, they have three NCAA titles, whereas UConn has four, and all four of them have come within the past 20 years. Listen, and I'm not saying, you know, is UConn a better program than KU? Well, in the regular season, no, but... In, in tournament play, when it comes to national titles, sure, we, we know who has more. Uh, so that's a debate for another time. My point here is these the, the conference titles and all that, that's cool, but that's to me that's not what defines who the best team is. I mean, we've seen a lot of times, and I know it's a different sport, but in pro sports, we, we see teams win a division, but they don't always make it to the Super Bowl. Sometimes we see two wild card teams that played out in a championship game. Let's not forget the Royals and the Giants in 2014 uh, in the World Series. They were both wild card teams going in. So to me, the conference titles are nice and all. To me, that's not going to be the, my deciding factor as to whether or not this KU team is going to go very far. KU's shown a lot of holes. Now, any team, yes, can be beatable, but this KU team has shown a lot of glaring holes. And if there's a team out there that can find ways to take advantage of their holes and execute properly, oh boy, I'm not shy to, to say that KU's going to suffer another early exit this year. Last one in this segment, Ian Rappaport did an interview with a radio station in Washington, D.C., a CBS station, and he had actually done this a second time. But what Ian Rappaport did in the middle of, um, I can't, I don't know if uh, it was the uh, radio host asking a question or if Rappaport was in the middle of answering a question, but he abruptly ends the interview by saying, hold on, I got to take this call. It's urgent. It's important. Uh, he basically, had, basically he, he was getting a call from someone who was giving him an inside scoop. Basically, all it was was uh, the Panthers releasing Kurt Coleman, the former chief safety, 
if you have to end an interview because you need to get the scoop and be first to announce that Kurt Coleman got cut, please, come on. And Ian Rappaport, a lot of people have had negative opinions about him recently. And I didn't realize that, you know how much negative opinion. I know he's gone back and forth with Schefter and a couple of other guys, uh, other insiders. But and I know they can be competitive with their jobs. But man, um, I just think it's kind of rude uh, to abruptly end an interview. Listen, I think if you have an insider like Rappaport or Schefter or Lock and Fora on your show, you got to understand these guys have very, very tight schedules, and they, if an interview is going too long and if it's getting pretty bad. You've got to do something to, uh, to 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 make sure you know you you get the important questions out there, wrap it up, and move on. Um, and I will say, Rappaport seemed to give some condescending responses to some of the questions this radio host was asking. But check it out; I'll, I'll post the link. It's from uh, awfulannouncing.com. Uh, pretty funny. The, the The host goes on a twenty minute rant, ripping Rappaport apart. It's pretty funny. You'll definitely have to check it out. I'll post it on my Facebook page, facebook.com. Slash Farzim Vasugian. Final segment of the show. Time to throw some penalty flags. Kansas City has been getting a lot of attention nationally and maybe even internationally. Not sure. Uh, a, a guy stole an ATV and drove it on I-29 on the wrong side of the highway. Um, and not only that, he was doing it while naked. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of police cars trying to follow on the other side of the highway. Of course, they can't be following on the same side. Uh, and of course, it's easier on an ATV to be on the other side of the highway going in the opposite direction. But it's kind of went on for quite a while. Here's my question. And I, I, I say this a lot with uh, police chases. Why continue it when you see a ton of cars right behind you? I know there's an entertainment value to it. People kind of wonder how it ends, hopefully safely still. But uh, when you're on an ATV and so many people are like, what, what, what was this guy thinking? What was this guy doing? Uh, what happened that made him think this was going to be such a great idea and he could escape the police uh, by doing this? I, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I just ask those questions. And uh, we, we ask questions like that here on this segment quite a lot. And I guess maybe I should throw a flag at myself because I, I just realized these are crazy people. We, we, we just never know what their logic is when they do these kinds of things. So uh, funny story. Uh, no one seemed to be hurt, if I'm not mistaken. So it all ended well, and it was all pretty funny. So, hey, uh, it, it's a funny story at the end of the day. Here is something that I don't think a lot of people would find funny, but... Apple, uh, the reports are out there that Apple is going to be releasing three new iPhones uh, at the same time, including one iPhone that is going to be the largest iPhone ever. Now, I don't have the most recent iPhone, the iPhone X, uh, the iPhone 10, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't know when these new iPhones are going to come out, including the new largest iPhone, but I feel like we're getting to the point now where I, I I think we're we're reaching a point now where the iPad Mini and these newer newer iPhones are going to be the same exact size. Uh, I don't know how much bigger these iPhones can get. They're starting to get to the point where not not everyone's able to keep them in their pockets. I know people who will wear um, only gym shorts or, or at least uh, jeans with really humongous pockets, or they'll, they'll put it in their back pocket, which is not a good thing to do with, an, with a smartphone, but 
Uh, I guess the question is, you know, what what does Apple have planned in terms of sizes with their iPhones in the future? Because it's only getting bigger, and like I said, it's going to get to the point where it's going to be the same exact size as an iPad Mini. If you've never seen an iPad Mini before, go to an Apple store, look at an iPad Mini, and look at the largest iPhone you can find. They're, it's getting up there. They're pretty close in size. So, I don't know exactly w- what's going to happen if this is ever going to stop. It's got to at some point, right? I don't know. You guys tell me. Because I, I, I think that's something that I've been kind of wondering ever since I heard about this story. And this kind of makes you wonder if those uh, old iPads, if that's eventually going to be the size of a of a phone one day. Pretty much we're going to be going back to something worse than those brick cell phones. Last one, and we are out of here on this podcast. There is a new season of Fear Factor. Yes, Fear Factor, that show. That is returning. It's going to be on a different network, MTV, and there's a new host, not Joe Rogan. I believe the new host is Ludacris. Let me just say this about the show Fear Factor. I think a big reason that show was successful was because of Joe Rogan. And and I've said this, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast. I, I know I've said it on social media, but I truly do think Joe Rogan is the best in front of the camera personality. He's not very good at reading scripts, but I think that makes it even better for him. I remember uh, listening to his Fear Factor uh, uh, intros and outros where he would say the same thing. Oh, uh, these stunts are uh, done by trained professionals and should not be done at home. I mean, he sounds so robotic when he's reading a script, when he's just talking naturally, whether it's uh, whether he's commentating for a Fear Factor competition or if it's a UFC fight. If it's his comedy, he is just great on the microphone, and he's just got this talent that not many other people have that even work in the broadcasting industry as anchors or reporters, which Joe Rogan is neither of those. Uh, I just don't know if this show could really succeed without Joe Rogan. I really don't think it can. And I'll even go take it a step further and say this. Joe Rogan is a big part of UFC. I don't know if Joe Rogan does retire from calling fights... I don't know if UFC fights would ever feel the same without Joe Rogan. I already hate it that they don't have Goldie there anymore. He's now with Bellator. But that was a a fascinating duo that was in the UFC for a long time. And it already feels weird uh, that Joe Rogan doesn't have his longtime uh, announcing partner there. So Joe Rogan just has this thing where wherever he goes... Whatever project he works on, he really is a big part of it. I don't think he does it intentionally. No way. Absolutely not. Uh, but it just it's just his talent. The way he's been able to do it, he's been able to prove that without him, the show might not be as big. And I think that's very important when you have a host or a commentator of some sort. You've got to have someone with great personality and great microphone skills. And Joe Rogan has all of that. And I don't know if this Fear Factor show would really do well without him. Maybe you disagree. Let me know about it. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. As far as Yusugi, big thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Be sure you check out my other podcast, my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone Podcast. Check it out. Check out my interview with Derek Scott making his MMA debut in St. Louis for Shamrock FC. If you live in the area, you can definitely check it out. Listen to my interview with him over at the Cage Zone Podcast, also available now on iTunes. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Like and follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, and email me farzine at farzinevesugian.com. 
Subscribe to the podcast. If you like what you hear, share it on social media. Let your friends know about the Chiefs Zone podcast. Until then, talk to you guys next week as free agency will be getting closer and closer. We'll talk about that and more next week.